Fire up that YouTube playlist. Dig up those Dropbox links. Then sit back and relax. Because we're taking the FanVid happy hour to you. Kim and Sage of Head Over Feels join us to talk about FanVids. On the June 5th edition of This Week in Time Travel. Chip, I left North Carolina and all I came back to was rain. Well, we don't have rain in North Carolina because we have like 99% humidity. The world just sort of soaks. It's like a sponge effect. You know what? I'm okay with the rain. I'm, I'm really okay with the rain. <laughs> As I keep repeatedly telling you, it's my role in life to make other people feel better about their own conditions. Uh, I guess I'll just swim to work tomorrow. There we go. Uh, welcome to This Week in Time Travel. We're continuing the Fandom Perspective series this week with Kim and Sage from Head Over Feels. They're going to be talking about fan vids and what they do at conventions for fan vid happy hour. It's a lot of fun, uh, that conversation. But lots to talk about in the news this week. Stuff that happened, including... We dropped our last episode the same day that Twitch began running their Doctor Who streaming. And what do you think, Alyssa? How's it gone over in the world? Oh, it's been magnificent. I haven't been able to drop in on Twitch as much as I would like to because of various work-related things that were going on this week for me. But I drop in every so often when I can. And let me tell you, the memes have been excellent. People have been so excited and happy to be watching this show for some of them for the first time, because this is the first time they've been able to access these old episodes. So it's been really fun to have all these new people join the Doctor Who Classic Who fandom and discover how wonderful some of these classic stories can be. I am not in a position to watch it during the work day, and I just haven't had the time to catch up on any of the rerun streams. But a couple of people who are very much more plugged into the Twitch stream are Erica Ensign and Elizabeth Miles from the Verity podcast. And I had the chance to talk to them a little bit earlier about how they feel about the Twitch Doctor Who phenomenon. Well, I hate having a day job because it means I cannot spend every hour of the day paying attention. But when I get home, my lovely spouse already has it up on the television. So I get to spend the next few hours just sort of chilling out and watching a whole swack of people who many of whom have never seen classic Doctor Who before experience it together for the first time. And that chat window has just become my lifeblood um, when I get home, just watching watching the way people are unironically loving things that I also unironically love and the memes that are popping up out of nowhere. I mean, I just I want a T-shirt that says pray for Zombo. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have really enjoyed not enjoyed in actual fact, I can't put that in brackets here, explaining to many of my friends what Twitch is um, <laughs> because they've never used it before or seen it before. But generally speaking, I'm, I'm on it a lot because it's for gamers. Usually you watch someone playing games, you interact with them. There's lots of little lovely communities. And so it was like, really? You're putting Doctor Who on this? That seems a bit... Mm. And then it was about five minutes into it on Earthly Child when I was like, oh my God, this is the greatest thing ever. I get to watch classic Doctor Who with 10,000 of my closest friends and they're making silly jokes all the way through and god the memes the absolutely mm -hmm. beautiful memes if i i am desperate to now encounter a doctor who fan in real life and connect with them via saying london 1965 <laughs> 
It's just ridiculous the different things that the kids, even though it's not all kids, there's there's all ages on the Twitch, um, react to and the things that they enjoy and point out. And even like the ones that old school fans were sort of like worried that, oh, they'll get bored or like um, the Space Museum or the Web Planet. People were just like, (laughs) the Web Planet, there was a technical difficulty. Um, So it was about an hour and a half late and people were basically demanding the web planet which was strange and confusing for many older fans because they were like what? What's wrong with them? And then there's occasionally like some genuine proper I mean there's a lot of genuine love but there's stuff that's really just warm and fuzzy like the the love for Barbara and Ian and Vicky. Sorry Susan you got slightly less and and Hartnell and um, the episode one of the Space Museum where the TARDIS team encounter themselves in the booth and the reaction in chat was, oh my God, that's creepy. That's brilliant. People that's creepy. freaked and it was out. Like, yeah, people actually being so impressed at this stuff. So yeah, I'm very excited that it comes back on a Monday. My weekend has been bereft. And I'm super excited to find out what happens when we get to Troughton. And more importantly, that all-time classic, The Time Monster. Uh. Erica, how could you? The Time Monster is brilliant. I am so excited for when Twitch gets to watch the Flappy Bird of Doom. The memes. The memes, folks. They're going to be excellent. Oh, dear. (laughs) Sorry. So, So, yes, the most important thing you need to know about Twitch is that, yes, the Time Monster will be airing on the channel soon enough. I mean, I honestly don't have high hopes for uh, how people are going to react to the Time Monster because it does have Joe saying in the very first episode, I know I'm exceedingly dim, but could you please explain it to me? And no, you are not exceedingly dim. Why do people write such terrible things for women characters to have to say? Anyways, I hope you enjoy Flappy Bird of Doom. All right. Uh, And of course, Twitch continues uh, until they get all the way to the end of survival uh, every weekday. So uh, stick around and be part of a worldwide simultaneous phenomenon. Something that was a little less of a phenomenon was the Doctor Who spinoff class. It didn't achieve very many of its goals uh, on BBC streaming services or on BBC One, where it was aired at ridiculous hours. It Felt like a show that had never been given a chance, but it's been given a new lease on life. Yes, Big Finish decided to pick up class and they are going to be reviving it. The audios will be launching in August and surprise, Sophie Aldred is going to be joining these new adventures for the class crew. So that should be exciting. That's right. There's an episode that is a direct tie-in to Remembrance of the Daleks, uh, which also took place at Cole Hill School, and Sophie Aldred is reprising her role as Ace for that one. I still haven't seen the damn thing. Have you finished class, Alyssa? No, I and and you know, I've I've said this before multiple times, so sorry for folks who are just hearing me say the same thing over and over again. I found it too dark, which is not to say that it you can't have dark material for a young adult audience but like it coincided with too many deaths in my family and i just could not handle like the level of parental death and loss that was happening in this show like 
it's a rough one, folks. Like it's a it's a roller coaster of a show. It's got a lot of really heavy material, and it doesn't really ever let up. I just I couldn't. I don't know if I'm ever going to go back and watch it. Honestly, like it it was poorly timed for my personal life and just very very heavy material. I am going to give it an honest attempt. I, I want to give it a shot, but uh, I had the same experience with a show that I'm very much love since eight. Before I had finished watching all of the second season of the show, the announcement was made that the show had been canceled. They since came back and now that they were going to do an extra finale movie. But I haven't quite finished the second season because it felt like, in some ways, a failed show. And by the time that I had the chance to look at Class, by the time that Class aired on BBC America, it was already looking really grim for it over in the UK. I really do think that there is something, a self-fulfilling prophecy almost, that when a show is struggling, it's easy for folks to just not make the investment. Yeah. I, I'm curious to see what people think about it. You know, I may just listen to that Sophie Aldred episode because that sounds like a lot of fun and really interesting. But I salute those of you who have stuck with the show through all of its many trials. And uh, I, I wish the Big Finish crew the best of luck. Great news for fans of Doctor Who comics who haven't necessarily bought them all yet. There is a sale on Comixology that Titan Comics is selling Doctor Who comics up to 66% off all the way through June 21st. These include graphic novels and single issues. These include reprints, as it were. It's, it's on, if you're reading it on an iPad, is it a reprint of the <laughs> comic books that were produced through IDW before Titan Comics took on the license? So lots and lots and lots of stories. Paul Cornell's Third Doctor uh, miniseries, the Fourth Doctor miniseries, the Ninth Doctor miniseries. The Ten Doctor miniseries by Tony Lee called The Forgotten. All of these things deeply, deeply discounted. Comixology is my favorite way to read comics these days. And now you can get a lot of Doctor Who comics very, very cheaply. Paul Cornell's The Four Doctors. Come on. There's a lot of really good material here, folks. Definitely go take a look. Finally, some Big news was broken by our friends over at Radio Free Scarrow, who I keep calling the podcast of record. Stephen Schapansky had an interview with Paul Venesis. He's involved with the restoration team. He's also been deeply involved over the years in helping to find some missing episodes. And Venesis dropped a bombshell in the middle of the conversation that, well... We'll leave it to you to go to Radio Free Scarrow 638 to hear the interview with Venesis himself. But after that interview, Stephen spoke with fellow Missing Episodes enthusiast J.R. Southall of the Blue Box podcast, and they just sort of had to process what they just heard. Here's an excerpt. We're keeping the flame alive, though, um, perhaps because of what uh, Paul Vanessa said uh, just now, as you heard in the interview. Um, the the Perhaps the most interesting thing is the fact that uh, he for sure says that uh, that there are collectors um, out there who uh, for sure have missing episodes of Doctor Who. So that, that was an yeah. intriguing thing to hear. 
Yeah, wait, what? Uh, apparently, there are some collectors out there that Paul Vanessa uh, claims to know firsthand may have a couple of episodes in their private possession. And here are a couple of other excerpts of what uh, Stephen and uh, JR had to say. Because of the people that you're negotiating with feel like you're deliberately putting pressure on them through outside means, then they're just going to shut the door, take themselves away, go home and forget all about it, aren't they? In the worst case scenario, I'd rather the episodes be uh, with a person who collects film and is caring for the things that, he, that are in his collection as opposed to, say, film cans stuck in a hot... A warehouse for the past 40 years uh, whose condition are who knows what they are. Uh, you know, at, I, at least the films won't be deteriorating, I think is what exactly, I mean to say. Yeah. Don't turn it into a witch hunt and endanger these episodes. Because if you turn it in a witch hunt, chances are somebody's going to turn around and it will be in a landfill and we never will get it. So full props to Stephen for the scoop, basically, that's getting some direct, uh, as direct as you can get confirmation that there are more missing episodes out there. No idea which ones, no idea who has them. That's kind of dynamite. But they were both also very, very careful. And Paul Vanessis himself were very, very careful to say that it's a cautious and delicate thing dealing with private film collectors who hold these things and who possibly don't want to feel pressured to release those episodes out into the world on anything other than their own terms and schedule. I mean, I can't lie. I'm very deeply upset at the moment. I am so grateful that they found these missing episodes and that they are taking proper care and that they are preserving them. But why? Why not share them? Why not spread that joy? I look at what people are doing right now, watching it as a global community together on Twitch and loving this show deeply and publicly in a wave that we haven't seen in years. I think about the fact that we just lost Deborah Watling. Like, if you have one of her missing episodes, to hold that and not let her know, not let her see it, that her work and so much of it is lost, that some of her work still survived. I mean, there's several major actors whose work is still missing. William Russell, Carol Ann Ford, Maureen O'Brien, Peter Purves, Jackie Lane, Annika Wills, Fraser Hines, Wendy Padbury. They're here. Their work is missing. Let them know that it survived. Give them that moment to know that something that they worked so hard on and is loved by so many is still there for everybody to enjoy together. You know, we just lost Deborah as awful and sad as it is to discuss it, they're not going to be here forever. You know, release that material. Let us all see this. Let these people who work so hard on it know that their work survives and isn't going to be lost forever. You know, it's a major cultural touchstone. This is very important work. I'm so grateful that they preserved it, but why not share that and let us all see the results of their labors. I understand what Venesis and Southall are saying about 
not wanting to provoke these people, but why does it have to be like that, huh? Why do we have to treat them with kid gloves? These are priceless to Doctor Who fans. They're also an important part of British television culture. I've got to assume, as Venesis says, that the holders are taking good care of these things. And it is valuable to know that there may be one or two other missing episodes out there that may surface in the future. I'm hopeful that they won't let this opportunity languish for long. So after a break, we will return to talk with Kim and Sage about fan videos, fan creativity. It's the continuation of the Fandom Perspective series. This week on The Incomparable. Erica Ensign and friends launch a rapid-fire celebration of the Canadian genre drama Winona Earp on the new podcast, Earp Chirp. When the old movie club takes on a classic, they take on a classic. It's Casablanca on The Incomparable. And Lazy Doctor Who is back with The Abominable Snowmen. All this and more on TheIncomparable.com. We are continuing our fandom perspective series today uh, with two of our dear friends of the podcast. It's Kim and Sage, the geniuses behind Head Over Feels, and also the MCs of the FanVid Happy Hour at basically all of your favorite conventions. Kim Sage, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Oh my gosh, thank you guys. You got a nice introduction. <laughs> So we wanted to dig deep into fan vids and figure out why they are so beloved by fandom. Um, and let's start by breaking down fan vids. What makes a fan vid spectacular in your opinions? I think that it's basically what makes certain types of entertainment really uh, attractive to us. It's just in a very condensed format you know, we're manipulating people's emotions. That's what an entire episode of Doctor Who does, right? It's like different ways of manipulating your emotions and getting you to think about things. So doing that in fan video form, it's just taking that aim and like stuffing it into like three and a half minutes of hit after hit of all your favorite moments, like music swelling at the exact right time to get you to feel something. Um, they're really just designed for uh, emotional response, which is why we love them, because we're all about sort of emotion in uh, in fandom. So, yeah, that's that's why I love fan videos. It has to be really, like, the right song, too. I will hear a song, like, independently of a fan video. And sometimes for me, it's like, it's the lyrics and I will hear a certain song and sometimes I will go straight to YouTube and be like, Doctor Who, fix you or whatever, or, you know, whatever kind of song. And 99% of the time there is usually a video to the song that I'm searching because clearly like fans will feel the same as I do when I hear a song and I'm like, Oh, this is so ten in rows. And there's something great too about like when you find a video 
uh, that uses a song that you didn't, it hadn't occurred to you that it would work so well. But when you find that like perfect marriage of subject matter and song, it's a super exciting. How much of it is the familiarity of the song combined with the familiarity of the program like Doctor Who? Or can uh, some song that you've never heard before work for you just as well? Both. I don't know. I mean, I've fallen in love with songs because they were in some of my favorite fan videos. So I think it can, it can definitely work both ways. I think as long as those two things as like the visuals and the and the music are kind of talking to each other, it can come from something that you know and love or something that's totally new to you. Sage and I have this playlist on Spotify that we want carved on our tombstones one day because it's like almost a thousand songs that we consider very Dr. Huey. You know, we will sometimes listen when like specific artists drop new albums. We're like, oh gosh, we have to listen to this the script's new album or whatever because we know they just do songs that are very fan vid friendly. And, you know, we'll listen to it right away and it's like, oh my God, yes, this song is amazing and then you know it'll only be like a matter of time before there are fan bits to new songs and things like that so for those people that aren't in fandom there's a general sense of derision towards fan videos but actually many of these things are extraordinarily professionally produced you have people getting like really advanced audio editing software to do this. How much has fan video really evolved over the past few years? I mean, there are some that I'm like, I really hope this person does editing for their professional job. And if they don't, it's really a shame. There's one particular 12 and Clara vid. It's our favorite one that we will never not have in our panels at cons because it just like upsets people so much. And it's called Pulse. It's 12 and Clara. And I think it's like some random Russian teenager that made this video and you watch it and you're like, how is this person not a professional? It's astounding. Looking back at, I've watched fan videos from throughout the years, but there are some, you know, that, you see were uploaded like nine, 10 years ago and they're great. But the quality now of like the actual just HQ video quality is so like just above and beyond. So the new videos that are getting made, like particularly when we do fan video happy hour, like there are some that we love for their content, but they're just, uh, they're too old and they were uploaded kind of in the earlier days of YouTube and they're too grainy. So they don't look good when we project them up on a screen. So I, there are so many that I love that are that are older that I just like wish that that person would just come out of retirement and re-upload it <laughs> with a high quality <laughs> video so we could like, use it. Sometimes we don't care if it's that bad of quality. I mean, if it's good enough, yeah. In the panels, where like we're like people will forgive us because like the song choice is way too good, and like the visual choices that they're making are way too good that we're like, we can't not share this with people. There's a particular one that's a 10 video to set to Lady in the Tramps. Uh, he's a tramp. It's fantastic. I mean, the, the, but the quality is terrible because it was made forever ago, but it's so good. 
So if you had to break down the type of fan videos that you have been looking through, would you be able to break it down into types of genres of fan videos that exist out in the world? Uh, let me see. I'm going to try to do a couple and, and Kimmy can tell me if I miss things and add things. But there's obviously the ones that are very romantic and angsty and chippy. There are these sort of great like hero montages. Like if you want to see that scene where 10 like walks in front of the fire you know, like that, like that kind of stuff, like the big like hero moments. There are those kind of videos. There's some, you know, there's some fun, like comedy ones. There's some great ones to like the last Friday night one is super cute where they're just matching, you know, lyric to moment, lyric to moment for the entire song. And then I love the ones too, that are sort of recut into like a trailer for something or, or changing the genre of something by like through the practice of editing. So that's where also you can really see like people's creativity come out they can literally turn something into something else. The, the crack bits. Oh, yes. Which is where the Hamilton one came from. My favorite. Uh, yeah, exactly. Like, uh, where it'll be really, like, quick cuts. Like, I mean, that Hamilton one, it's, like, usually 10 to 30 seconds worth of a song where they match it to a clip, you know, that, like, lands so perfectly like putting missy to uh you'll be back from hamilton i mean it's it's perfect and then it'll immediately cut to like 10 as uh eliza hamilton and and so and the crack videos are an art and it was so it's so hard for us to find those two because usually the crack vids will run you know 10 to 12 minutes and like when we're in a panel kind of situation, it's like, unless something is like, if it's outstanding, we'll put it in. But like, we can't do like a 10 minute crack video. But like those exist. We've talked a lot about the fan video happy hour that you guys run. And for those people who haven't been at these conventions and are kind of confused what we're talking about, uh, Kim and Sage put together an epic YouTube playlist their favorite Doctor Who fan videos, and they take over a room at the convention, and you can bring drinks if you want to. It's highly encouraged by me. Um, but you basically sit in a room together and watch these videos together. So how did this come about? How did you guys, one, come up with the idea, and two, convince the conventions to give you the space for it? <laughs> how, do we, how do we convince the conventions to let us do anything? <laughs> uh, is, we just ask we're just like hi can we do this dumb thing and they're like sure sure we have a post that we usually do in the summers when our recaps are kind of light you know when all of our normal shows are on hiatus and we we're like well we need content for the website and uh we came up with fan video friday that we would usually every friday from like you know memorial day to labor day we would try and do a post that's curated around a different kind of theme. You know, sometimes we would pick a song and it would be like 12 fan videos of every kind of fandom set to like, you know, fix you or say something, you know, any kind of like song that's very fan video friendly, usually by One Republic. <laughs> One Republic, yeah, it really, yeah. 
they really like cornered the market on fan videos and imagine dragons yeah they are like so fan video friendly but yeah that's how it kind of came about and one time long island who was like asking for programming ideas and we were like wouldn't it be fun to just sit in a room for you know an hour and screen our favorite fan videos together and 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 Long Island Who said yes. <laughs> we ended, I think, the first Long Island Who with a fan video that Deb Stanish and Verity introduced us to, which is a epic master doctor compilation, every master and doctor, to Taylor Swift's Blank Space. It's My favorite. Beautiful. I mean, it's just so good. And what was great, I think, about the fan video happy hour is that people come who know what they are. And then sometimes people just wander in because it's on the, they don't really know. And I remember after that panel, Deb being like, I think you really opened some people's eyes with that. Like they walked into that room and they had no idea they were going to see like the homoerotic relationship of the master and the doctor set to a Taylor. So song. Like, <laughs> they just didn't know that that was going to happen. And they were like, Oh, okay. <laughs> no, and it's like every time we've done it, like the room has been full and not just with our friends, you know, (laughs) that's the thing is like, we'll design these panels, like Like, please come for our friends. And we will specifically put videos on there to upset certain people. But then when like strangers come to our panel and then we turn around and like the room is full, we're both kind of like, Oh, okay. Maybe this like does tap into you know, something that people want to see or that, that, like Sage said, like people that aren't aware of this side of the fandom and how much of an art it is because it is an art. These people, it's magical, honestly. What a good fan video will do to you. And people and put get so a- much work into their, into their pieces and like it's cool to be able to show off. You know, all we're doing is like putting stuff on a list. Like the work is you know, the work of the people who, who made those videos. And it's cool to get to, it's such a fun, like, I always love at cons to get to watch like episodes with people. That's always really exciting, especially when there's like a live episode and you get to watch it all together. So it's just basically like the greatest hits of Doctor Who sitting in a room with a bunch of people who are already feeling like very warm and fuzzy about each other and about the show. And it's just, it's a fun experience. And you get a pretty lively crowd, um, of which I count myself in. I have definitely yelled at Kim, how dare you, when she has had a particularly emotional uh, video. Or uh, you both like targeting me and Shannon uh, with uh, any Dr. Master videos in there. But people are – they're engaged. They're shouting. They're having fun. They're laughing together. Totally. I mean – and yeah, like you said, I mean, there was one at this past galley when I – found a Dr. and Sarah Jane video that it was one of those where it was like the quality of the footage was kind of crappy just because you're also dealing with footage from classic Doctor Who, which is not in high def and usually somebody ripping from their like cassette tapes, but it was too good. It was too good between the song and the footage. I was like, uh, we got to do this guys. And then we had, people like cursing us in the room being like how dare you do this and people are crying and I'm sitting there being like this is my greatest life achievement 
<laughs> it's great knowing what's coming up because like it's a particular video or even just like a moment in a video where I'm like, Oh, everybody's going to go crazy. Everybody's going to lose their minds. Wait till they get to this part. And then there's nothing more satisfying than when that part comes up and the whole room is like, Oh, or like, just like reacts to it. It's yeah. It just makes me feel good about what we do, which is literally, again, just make a list of stuff that other people already did. (laughs) Fanvid Friday returns this Friday, June the 8th. Yeah. We have a new one coming, and we were very excited. I was spending most of my afternoon, like, just being like, Marvel plus this song, this song, this song. And that's, like, how we do it. Yeah, I'm very much looking forward to the return of FanVid Friday, because that is going to be really, really fun to see again. And fan vids really seem perfectly made for fandom culture. You know, it's that right mix of being able to appreciate and uplift it, but also to have some fun with it. You know, it, it's it's similar to fan fiction in that you can have a really wide range of stuff that is playing right into the genre and right into the show, and then stuff that's just pinballing all over the place, finding the most weird and absurd and fun things to pull out of the show and talk about. So it's definitely, I I think it's a crucial part of my fandom experience. Have you guys found it to be the same way for you guys? Yeah, we've done this with you guys, but it's like when you're together in a group of people are like, oh, what should, what, what should we do? Like we're at somebody's apartment for an evening and what should we do? And we, we will very, very often just kind of hit the greatest hits like, oh, and then, and then people are yelling like, no, we want to see this one. And like, let's pull up Pulse and let's pull up whatever. And people want to see, their fate. The great thing about fan videos too is that you can watch them over and over and over again, and it's a lot quicker than watching an episode. So you're getting ready for work or whatever, and you want a little hit of like some Doctor Who feelings. It's really just go to YouTube, pull up the playlist. Yeah, and yeah, it was like my birthday present. <laughs> from everyone last year because I had been like ranting and raving about how how was there not a Doctor Who um, video to Pink's What About Us? Because I was like, I'm listening to the lyrics and I can like see the fan video in my head, but because I'm like not technologically equipped to do that, I just kept being like, when is somebody going to make me a video to this? And then Warren Frey made me a video to that and everyone and it was like prepared for my birthday party and everyone like sat me down in the middle of my party be like this is your present and I was like what the hell is going on and they (laughs) gave me an iPad with headphones and like hit play and it was like holy crap. And that's going to be, it's forever on YouTube that like, this is like what my friends made for me on my birthday. And I will never not cherish that. It's also just an incredible video. It it is. is. Yeah. And I think it's, it was sort of Warren's first uh, traditional kind of fan video. And he just friggin' nailed it. It's beautifully done. And now he's like, tell me other songs you want to do. <laughs> and he is working on other fan videos for me. Cause for him, he was like, this is a way for me to teach myself this 
editing software, you know, it's a fun way to, for me to, you know, become a master of this. So he's making me other fan videos that's, you know, I'm like, I've never seen a video to this song and there should be a video to this song. And so it's, it's so fun. (laughs) Warren is definitely one of the best guys for doing that on demand. Yeah. Excellent. (laughs) Well, Kim Sage, thank you so much for joining us to talk about fan vids. We are going to put links in the show notes to your galley YouTube playlist and also some of the fan vids that we have discussed here. So if you're ever at a convention in which you see Head Over Feels fan vid happy hour, go to it. It will definitely be worth your time. So thank you both for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on This Week in Time Travel. You can find more episodes at thisweekintimetravel.com. We are on Twitter at DRWhoThisWeek. I'm on Twitter at numeral 2 minute time Lord. Alyssa is on Twitter and Tumblr at Feminism. Head Over Feels, Kim and Sage. You can find them on Twitter at Head Over Feels, at Drama Kim, and at Sage Youngest. This podcast exists on Facebook. Thanks to Christopher Breen for our original theme music, to David J. Lore for our original podcast logo and avatar. Please review us on Apple Podcasts, consider becoming a member of the Incomparable Network, and tell all your friends about us. Until next week, this has been This Week in Time Travel. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.